the presenting sponsor of Communicating Good is, well, no one. This is our second episode, and we don't have any sponsors yet. But that's so nice that you thought we had a presenting sponsor. Thank you, you guys. That means a lot. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to Communicating Good, a podcast by Samalot Media, a communication strategy and content production consultancy. I'm the Sam of Samalot and your host. In every episode of Communicating Good, we explore culture shifts, trends, innovations, and current events. The world is weird and wonderful. Let's talk about it. I'm joined this week again, and hopefully many other weeks because listeners have demanded it, by acupuncturist, photographer, bestie, and a woman Aww. very ready to use her words, Sarah Erdman. Hi, Sam. Hello. <laughs> Last week, Sarah and I talked about some of the experiences we had while going to junior high in the 1980s. There was one big question that we started exploring in particular. It was whether the experiences we had during that time defined the adults that we became, the people we are today. And if they did, how much? It's a big topic. So we decided to continue the conversation this week. And with that, I am happy to welcome Sarah back to the Samalot Media Isolation Booth. Welcome, Sarah. How are you today? I'm good, Sam. How are you? I'm well. Thank you. I'm happy to be doing this again with you. Yeah, I am as well. So I mentioned the topic of last week, and I, yeah. I know that, like me, you've been reflecting uh, since that conversation on our junior high experiences. Mm-hmm. And oh, because who doesn't love to do that? It was, it's for most people, uh, just a, a happy, uplifting it's time in their wonderful, lives. Wonderful foundational time in yes. everyone's lives. Yes. Not at all awkward or painful. And fortunately, um, and I say that with complete sincerity, fortunately, we experienced that together. We did. And gave each other a lot of support. So, um Maybe it would be good for us to, before delving into this, share a little bit more about our background together. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll ask you this question, Sam. Sure. Did you ever know that you're my hero? <laughs> and you are the wind beneath my wings. Sam has been the wind beneath my wings for 40, 40 years. About 40 years. It's been it's, very breezy yes. with your wind beneath yes. my wings. <laughs> I think it's been your wind beneath my wings. A lot of wind has <laughs> us, which goes down kind of an odd road, yeah. but the, the, the sentiment is there. That's a good, a good foundation for our friendship as well. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think we are. I think I realized this in the last episode, I did mm-hmm. the math and it is coming up on our 40th anniversary of friendship. Abs- when yes. you moved to my home, my, the town I was born and raised in and you joined in 81, would that have been 82? Yeah. Yeah. I think it was 81. Yeah. And my family had been, so we were from the West coast originally and we had been, my parents had been going to graduate school in Washington state and we moved to, my dad got his first, first professorial job and we moved to Stevens point, Wisconsin, which is mm-hmm. where I met you. So there I was 11, about to turn 12 in this new town, starting a new school with sixth grade. So, which was the last year, um, it was the top grade in the, in the grade school that we went. So Mm -hmm. all these kids who had known each other all that time. And I'm coming in that year. I didn't know anybody. And within maybe a month of arriving, um, I had not only met you, but you had invited me to your birthday party (laughs) and that was huge. That was a big event in my life. Um, I, I remember thinking you were very funny. Um, if I recall, the the thing that brought us together was that you had decided um, to create a food museum in your 
Locker may be your first foray into comedy or satire a little bit. Of the- <laughs> or domain. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah. Yes. So you would take like whatever we had in our, our hot lunches at school and yes. um, you created a museum in your in your locker as a tribute to those foods. And, I, yes, I did. Yeah. I, I think, I, you know, in, that too. in fact, Sam, yes. I think I have right here from my archives. Uh-huh. Um, I have a little record of this, actually, from my 1982 diary. Mm -hmm. Um, May 3rd, 1982, specifically 10.25 p.m. I was up late writing this. Sam is starting a food museum in her locker. So far, she has one hangover hot dog and bun. I don't... I think... (laughs) Hangover hot dogs because they were long and hung over the bun. Something. Like that. Let's go with that. Let's, that sounds right. That sixth graders had hangovers in the eighties in Wisconsin. I mean, it was Wisconsin. And you needed never know, to line but. their bellies yeah. with some pork products in, during and, lunch. During lunch. Anyway, so far she has one hangover hot dog and bun, mm-hmm. half a smoked sausage, a root beer, tater tots, carrots, peanut butter, and raisins. She is funny sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I too remember the food museum in my locker. Uh, and I remember the progressive smell that got, or the smell that got progressively worse. Um, and I'm not sure what the first time was, what prompted me to start putting food from, to, to, first of all, to not finish my lunch and then instead then put it in my locker and then leave it there and compile, you know, add more food to that. I, I have no explanation for that. Um, well, clearly I thought it was hilarious and warranted, warranted you an invite to my slumber party for my birthday that uh, year. Yes. Yes. And we've been f- friends ever Best since. Best friends ever since. Yes. Yeah. Um, so speaking of your, of your diary, um, <laughs> I know that in preparation for the show this week, so let me just back up a sec. We want to be as academic and scientific as possible in our conversations on the podcast, especially when we think about things like junior high. Mm-hmm. And in that vein, I know that you did some some really deep diving. I've done a lot of deep diving. Into, so. into your archives. I have a lot of archives. And you, and you have made some incredible discoveries that you brought to share with us today. So, yeah. you know, as a way of exploring our experience in junior high, let's go right to your writings. Oh, okay. Um, well, I think, you know, what we talked about last week, and again, as Sam has mentioned, we want to, you know, build on this concept of, you know, these events that shaped us, you know, in those early days and how they've carried through to our lives. And, you know, certainly the things that that led to friendships that sustain for life. But then mm-hmm, also mm-hmm. the things that, you know, we've you know, we talked, I think I mentioned last time junior high being a very painful time. And a lot of Mm -hmm. that pain came from friendships that were shifting and changing during that time. So I actually found a a writing, I think I actually wrote this in high school, but it was reflecting back on that time in junior high. Mm -hmm. Um, So I will just share these, um, you know, it's a little bit of insight into how it felt to go through. I had a friend who I had been friends with in grade school who kind of, you know, shifted and decided she didn't want to be friends with me anymore. And that was a really painful moment in my life. And so this is just a little bit about that um, that maybe adds a little bit more to our foundation here. So it's just called Friends. Um, All the way through grade school, my best friend was Carrie. I had other good friends, but I wasn't friends with them all the way through elementary school like I was with her. We didn't fight too much, at least not until about sixth grade. We had one big fight, and even though we made up, it was never the same again. In seventh grade, we were friends up until about Christmas. When we came back from vacation, she pretty much ignored me, and if we did talk, she would put me down and stuff like that. I don't know why she was doing this, and I was pretty hurt by it all at the time. But luckily, at about the same time all that was happening, I became friends with Samantha Stokes. That's me. That's Sam. Uh, That's her maiden name. 
She was the complete opposite of Carrie. Carrie and I never really talked too much about how we really felt about important stuff like life and death, and most important of all, boys. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you, Sam, for being there (laughs) to talk to me about boys. Matters of life and death and boys. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But you know, it's, it's funny, and looking back now, I still... I, I remember the pain of going through that, you yeah. know, of coming back and this friend that had been there all my life, just all of a sudden not wanting to be my friend anymore. And not just that, but yeah. saying really mean things about me to other people. And it, it I still feel like that still, I, there's still a little bit of pain in, from mm. that. Maybe mm-hmm. I just need therapy or something mm-hmm. more therapy um, that, that still lives on. And I still have this fear that, you know, my friends might just decide one day that they don't like me. But I remember also being very grateful for the people that I did find as friends like you and mm-hmm. other people in our circles of friends because feeling like, okay, these are the people that really do get me. Yeah. And yeah. that, you know, obviously has stuck yeah. all these 40 years with us. Yeah, I really identify with that. And one similarly painful memory that I have is it was a couple of years later, but my family was out of the country. Um, we did that periodically because my father was doing research. So we were in England one summer and I'd had to leave all, all of our friend group behind. And I think that was maybe probably the year that we were going into ninth grade, the summer mm. before we went into ninth grade. And so I was, yes, it's really a, a great, looking in hindsight, it's a great gift to have gone to England <laughs> with my family. At the time, I hated yeah, it because yeah. I wanted to be back in the States with my friends. I remember our, that because you, know, you were gone. Yeah. We were writing letters back and forth all the time. Writing letters back and forth. Before things like email. And yes, before email. <laughs> and I Testing had, existed. None of that, right? So it was the handwritten letter that we'd send. We'd wait a week for it to arrive somewhere. And then yep. they, somebody, you know, somebody would write back and I'd have to wait another week. So it was two weeks in that that whole loop. So I had, so I've been writing letters back to all of, you know, our friend group that summer talking about the plans that we would have that, that year and how excited I was to be going into ninth grade and what we were going to be doing. And partway through the summer, I get a letter from one of our friends who I I won't name, but, and the whole letter was talking about how, Hey, when you get back, we're not going to be friends anymore. I'm going to be moving on. I have new friends. I I want to have some new experiences this year. Um, I just don't don't really want to spend time with you anymore. So when you get back, you know, in the country, don't call me. Oh man. We're done. We're not hanging out anymore. So it was really painful. I was devastated, devastated. And I didn't see it coming. And, um, yes, it affected me deeply. I mean, I think about it all these years later and I can still channel that pain. So, and I can't imagine that we are unusual in that, Mm -hmm. I guess Mm -hmm. is my point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then taking a few steps back when we back to this question of, do the, you know, how do those experiences, how much do they impact who we are today? Mm-hmm. I think like you, um, you know, I don't know that I have great concerns around, you know, I, I don't have maybe a fear or paranoia that mm-hmm. somebody's going to stop being my, my friend. Um, but I recognize the, I guess, I guess my point is, it made me value the people who were close to me mm, more, the yeah. people who stood by me. Yep, yep. That has, I, I recognized it then. Yep, I was yep. that through high school. I was that way through college. And I, to this day, I, I just have a very strong feeling to keep the people who are close to me close yeah, and to yeah. value that. Yep. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it reminds me of another story of, you know, the, when you think about the people that are there for you and, um, willing to do anything for you. And Mm -hmm. I think we were, I don't remember if we were in junior high or high school and you, you, so I, 
I love adventurous like rides and roller coasters and stuff like that. <laughs> Sam does not. I do not. She does not. But yet we were at a small, you know, town fair that had the zipper ride and I wanted to go on it so badly and she came on it with me and I didn't realize until we got on how bad that actually was for her to be on there. <laughs> Due to motion sickness. <laughs> Due to motion sickness. Speaking of things Horrible that don't mo- change. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, and then just, you know, like looking back and having that moment, like, oh, my gosh, she was willing to to face this horrible fear and do something that made her very ill. And what a, I mean, I feel bad. (laughs) You know, you realize then, you know, okay, this, these are the people that are going to be there for you through the rough stuff and support you and, and different ways and hopefully not throw up all over you. You didn't that night. So I, I didn't later, I believe I, I did. I have, yes, two of my, my two main memories of that zipper ride was, um, first when we were put into the little cage cars and they were going around loading everybody else yeah, up at yeah. some point we were, um, upside down mm. and I, I don't know why, but I had a ton of change in my pockets, <laughs> loose change. And I remember being upside down and started and all recognizing before the ride had even started that this was going to go down in a really bad way for me. Uh, yeah. And then I, I think I knew that too, because we hadn't even, they were still loading. And so yes. we, we hadn't, we were just like going straight up without mm-hmm. even tilting at all. And you were already looking a little Ooh, yeah. gray. And I <laughs> yes. thought, oh no, oh no, I've made a terrible mistake. But I can still hear in my head the moment when we were a little bit upside down, when all the change was <laughs> casca- cascading out of my pockets and just rained down on all the little car- cars beneath us. <laughs> Just the pinging and the the dimes and the quarters and the pennies dropping to the ground. Mm. That has stayed with me forever. (laughs) I have to assume played a role in who I am today. I'm not sure how. I don't carry loose change. (laughs) And I don't ever try to force you onto roller coaster or zipper rides. Yes, that is true. You never have. (laughs) I'm sorry. Thank you. (laughs) So let's move on here in our forensic examination Mm -hmm. of the writings of the, oh, Sarah Erdman. Oh, God. What's next? Oh, um, so we had an assignment um, mm-hmm. back in high, in high school, this was. Mm-hmm. Um, this was early. This, this was, was sophomore year. Sophomore year. So this would have been, I think, fall of 85. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had this really wonderful English teacher who um, was just adored by all of us. And and she gave us the writing assignment to imagine ourselves as adults. I think, I don't know if she gave us a specific age. I feel like it might've been 35. Like mm-hmm. imagine you're 35 years old and a magazine is coming to interview you. What is the magazine? What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. And um, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> I have the Rolling Stone exclusive interview with Academy Award winning actress Sarah Erdman. 35 year old. <laughs> 35 year old. Academy Award winning Academy Award winning actress Sarah Erdman. <laughs> so, okay, folks, here it is. Uh, Rolling Stone's exclusive interview with Academy Award winning actress Sarah Erdman. She was a hit in her first film at age 24, and 11 years later, she's still going strong and about to make her debut on stage in a chorus line towards the end of the month. And we are here to find out about some of those things. Uh, this was like a rough draft copy that I have, so it's a little hard to read. Um, and maybe we'll find out some of the things that will be happening with her in the future. I talked to the pretty green-eyed brunette at her townhouse in L.A. I don't, I don't think I knew what a townhouse actually was. A mortgage. I don't think there were a lot of townhouses in Stevens Point, Wisconsin. Because I envision it as a very large house. 
<laughs> with a pool. Anyway, uh, she lives there and she shares it with her fellow actor and fiance, Brian Johnson. <laughs> Exciting name. Oh, was he perhaps in the witness protection program? <laughs> I think he might have been. A name like that? <laughs> Clearly, I did not know a lot of people with, with interesting <laughs> names besides Brian Johnson. Brian and I, back to the article, Brian and I met at a party for Power Station. We might have to explain to the kids who Power Station <laughs> is. I believe it was a it was a band. Uh, John Taylor was in it. He was mm-hmm. my favorite member of Duran Duran. Well, you probably should also explain. But <laughs> yeah, anyway, hopefully they don't. Yeah, with um, very popular bands of the time. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So he and I met at a party for Power Station, and I had come with Sam Stokes. You know the rock musician because <laughs> neither of us had dates. <laughs> as an award-winning actress Mm -hmm. and a famous rock musician going to a party for other rock bands we neither one of us could get a date apparently wow very sad for us as celebrities (laughs) anyway and you had a townhouse you still could could i had a townhouse and everything and i was still dateless for this party oh but fortunately you know who else didn't have a date, Sam? Who? Brian Johnson. <laughs> well, that is that is kismet. That is stars crossing. That's international Academy Award winning 35-year-old Sarah Erdman <laughs> about to appear in Course Line, quote, quote, towards the end of this month, <laughs> would cross paths outside her townhouse yeah. with, with the enigmatic... <laughs> The mysterious Brian Johnson. Brian Johnson. <laughs> oh, well, you know. But anyway, uh, we were there because Sam knew the guy that he was with, and they introduced us because they were tired of us staring at each other across the room. <laughs> so wow! It's only it's only Academy Award. It's <laughs> only Academy Award winning actresses and Brian Johnson. <laughs> I think that you have really, um, at a very young age, you really tapped into the realities of celebrity culture because one thing I've always heard about celebrities, especially mm-hmm. when they are at, for example, a Hollywood party with a lot of other celebrities, yeah. they don't like to interact. No. There's a lot of no. staring across the room yeah. at one another. It's bad. No words exchanged. Yeah. So this, yeah. is, this is tracking. Yeah. You were a good But you know what else happened high journalist. Night. Please yeah. go on. Um, after the party, we went for a late night dinner. Uh-huh. And it's been love ever since. And, you know, when this interview was happening, um, it was about 90 degrees outside. And uh, we were out to sit by my kidney-shaped pool (laughs) (laughs) at my townhouse, (laughs) apparently. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the backyard is lined with trees for privacy. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. Uh-huh. But they don't cast much shade on the deck where we were sitting. So Sarah was wearing a white two-piece suit so she could tan while we talked, even though she's already quite dark. You know, I think it's really a shame <laughs> that, especially when you hear about a celebrity who can't get the right kind of landscaping. Yeah. Um, for to, pri- provide, to provide adequate shading <laughs> in their backyard. Privacy. Um, I, I think there's a melanoma risk there. I think there is. I think there is. I think that that was something that wasn't talked about enough in the mm-hmm. 80s when mm-hmm. tanning was involved. Yeah. Certainly not by you and Certainly Brian not. Johnson. <laughs> Certainly not by Brian Johnson and I. You know, so um, so then Rolling Stone, the interviewer who is nameless, um, mm-hmm. says, have you said, have you and Brian set a date for the wedding? Um, no, we're going to wait until our lives slow down a little bit. 
Brian's just starting another movie and I'm doing a course line and we figured it would just be easier that way. Also, we're not one of those couples who's afraid we're going to lose each other if they don't get married immediately. Just knowing that somebody will get married someday is enough for me. Someday. <laughs> someday. There's a... You know, I, at this point, I should probably mention that I have never been married. <laughs> <laughs> I am fascinated by the um, uh, alternating really, really deep specificity <laughs> and the utter utter vagueness. Uh, yes, yes. For example, who was, what is the name of the friend of Brian Johnson who introduced you? I don't know, but you knew him. You tell me, Sam. Clearly. Yeah. <laughs> I think his name was Joe Stevens. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. John Smith. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, then it goes on to me talking a lot about dancing, uh -huh. um, you know, and if I dance as much as I used to or not, uh -huh. um, because I was always a dancer when I was young and that was what I wanted to be. And it talks about my Oscar, you know, and I really hoped that um, dancing would help keep me in shape. But I just love to dance. I can just let myself go and forget about everything else and just let the music take control isn't that a Lisa Lisa with cult jam in full force? I don't, I don't know. Possibly, I feel like it should have been. So. Dancing has really helped me to get through life so far. And I hope it helps me get through the rest of my life as good as it has before. And the teacher wrote out, crossed out good and wrote in well. Nice. So, <laughs> I mean, Bad that grammar. ends on a, a really, um, I think a really touching emotional note mm -hmm. because yeah. it mentions thing, the things that, that I know from having been on this life's journey with you have remained important mm, to you. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, yeah, you yeah. are a lifelong dancer and, and yeah. you have a love, still have a love of the theater. And these are all things that have continued to bring meaning to, to your life and enjoyment. Mm -hmm. and yeah, very much. And it's always been something that's been at my core, even as I get older and have, you know, can't, can't, uh, enjoy it at the same level that I once did just you know, mm -hmm. physically with the older body now. But, you know, I think the things that we love and that we feel passionate about stay, stay with us through the years yes. yeah, in different ways. So clearly I know we're coming up on our time and clearly this conversation is going to have to continue because you have, um, I have a lot more stories. You did a whole lot, There's a whole <laughs> lot more to your forensic examination oh, yeah. of our, of our adolescence. Yeah. But before we close this episode, um, you had a poem that you I wanted did. to share. I did. Um, so the same teacher in the same class um, had us do, we did a lot of writing exercise, exercises as one does in any English class. And um, of course, sorry, I'm trying to find it here. Um, she had presented us with kind of like a Mad Libs approach to poetry. And generally, it, it, I wrote a lot of really, really bad poetry about being in love. And um, this one, I took a different approach, and we uh, had this little Mad Lib style where she gave us some of the words, and we filled in some of the others, and we got to choose, choose the subject. And I wrote it about friendship and about my friend Sam. Nice. So here is my poem about Sam Stokes. I see you there in the South Commons, acting crazy as usual. It is fall during lunch. I see your face talking with great animation. Your sky is bright blue with a few clouds here and there. Sometimes I wonder how in the world we got to be friends. I see your hands putting money into the food slot machines. <laughs> that was a joke that we had. <laughs> I am red in the face from laughing so hard. I see you there in the South Commons acting crazy as usual. My sky is bright and sunny. So sweet. Well, on that note, I'll thank you again, Sarah, for joining today. Thank you, Sam. I look forward to talking to you again. 
And I hope you've all enjoyed this episode of Communicating Good. Yeah.